I'm Renee Ritchie, and I'm a tech analyst. And I'm Georgia Dow, and I'm a psychotherapist. And welcome to Apple Talk, the podcast where we try to put the psychology into the technology and talk about how all of these big tech companies affect our culture and increasingly our lives. How are you doing, George? I'm good. How are you? I, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> so we're doing something different today. It's a little different. Yeah, we have, instead of two big topics, we have your questions. We asked for questions. You sent us so many tech support questions we couldn't possibly answer. Yeah. But a few of you, yeah. a few of you followed directions. <laughs> well, no, we'll 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 deal with like we're not we're not really here for the tech support, but we will. There will be some it's the emotional support. That's what we're here for. We're here for the emotional, the emotional support, support, but also there'll be some that we might do like you know how do we do this? How do we set up? Incidental. How do you start your your channel and how stuff do you like that? Your Facebook? How do you, yeah? We might do those as separate yes. topics for them. So we'll tell you to do it, but not how to do it. That's our thing. Right. Yes. Right. All right, so what do you got for us first? Okay, so here we go. This is the one that we get a lot. Okay. Um, why are you both facing us and not facing each other? Do I, you know, did Regis and Kathy Lee get... Oh, sorry, Regis and Kathy Lee is what became... Regis and Kelly is what became Kelly and Ryan Seacrest. Like, but I feel like this is the popular morning show format. Like, Do they get this question? I don't think that they do. I think that, that people even notice because we're doing it really well at the beginning. That's my thought. Is that <laughs> we we're were just getting, so awkward. We're so awkward. We were we so terrible. We were, that we get that question yeah. because I think that there was like, they noticed probably that we were uncomfortable. Um, I don't think we get this as often. Do we still get it as often? Sometimes. Are we still as bad? But there are some, like, uh, famously, Justine and Jenna Azarek on their Same Brain podcast, they're doing the same thing. They're doing it better than us. Well, though. way better than us. But like Peter <laughs> yeah. and Maddie, Peter McKinnon and Maddie Hapoya, right. uh, they face each other. Yes. And they have like a whole bunch of cameras it's set up. It's a lot more cameras. Like yes. it would be a lot more editing, a lot yes. more work that would have to go into if we had, like if we had a, a crew, if we looked behind and we didn't see nothing, we saw yes. a crew of people with tons of or cameras. Or robots. Mm -mm -mm. Like the yeah. Tony Stark robots from Iron yeah, Man. Yeah, I wish, right? Yes. Support the channel. Or like Marquez has. I'm sure he has a robot army. He probably has too many. Yeah, if we did that, um, but this is primarily a podcast that we do the video just because some people like to see us talking. Yeah, so that's why we do it, because it's yeah. easier. We're trying to get better and more comfortable, so hopefully it's not too awkward. And we're better at this live than we are. Um, uh, we tried it originally over Skype, oh, like all podcasts, really, and it, really it just wasn't horrible. as good. So, it was really horrible. Yeah, so we did three of those. Three we decided shows. to follow the uh, appreciatedly draconian rules and regulations surrounding red alert zones in Quebec and just isolated and bubbled and did everything we had to do in order to make sure we could yes. keep doing this podcast. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. So what's next? Okay. So you're going to ask me one. I didn't prepare. You didn't prepare. No, I did. You I did. Just read. You can okay, just read. I'll, you don't have to I'll prepare. I'll take one of yours. You could, yeah. Um, I saw an internet actually no this is actually from me. I put this in here because I, I saw know. I saw an internet celebrity who was asking this out loud. I'm going to anonymize them because they had no intent on being on this podcast. This is an actual internet celebrity that quite a few quite a few people watching this probably know said why are there tech celebrities or cult-like followings for companies like Apple or Samsung or people like Steve Jobs or Elon Musk? Uh, same thing with athletes, musicians, actors, especially like politicians, YouTubers, and that every person, every one of these celebrities they'd met in person was totally unworthy of the adoration. And I think they were including themselves in it. So they want to know why why, why we have yeah why do we respond right. to celebrity and fame? So we've already talked a little bit about tribalism, and we like to be aligned with a group. We like to be aligned with a winning group. And we've talked also about the cognitive dissonance that goes through that once I've made an opinion of something, I don't want to change that opinion because I don't want to be wrong. And then that's a painful experience. But this goes further. 
So um, celebrity worship, which is a term that was coined in 2000, or what we call like deification of people. Stanning. Yes, is slightly innate to us. And it used to be a really wonderful thing because it would usually be the tribe's members that were bringing in the most food, that were the most wise, that were caring, that were doing good things. Okay. And now, because of media, so media wants to bring back these these people that we look up to, since mm -hmm. we don't, we're not in these same tribal villages, they kind of put out these celebrities that they then want to sell us things with. So I think that the media has really given a push to celebrification of regular people and that we want to go through to them. And then we add our own lives. So if your personality is more intrinsically based, so regular just enjoying celebrities and mm -hmm. having fun, that's fine. You know, well, can you I ask wanna, you because like yeah. in previous societies, yes. I don't want to say that all these kinds of people, including us, were vilified, but they were way lower on the social status. Like yes. there was itinerant, like you were like the person that actors, got kicked over. Yeah, they were like beggars, like yeah. vagrants, and like actors was one step below them. Yes. And that really changed. Like you went from literally being the person everyone kicked around in town yes. to now being like the people, the person on top of the mountain everyone looks up right. to. But, but it's changed from people that are like hoping for a little bit of money that's coming out and traveling all over the world and to this huge screen where you have gone to see yeah. that you're paying money for and it's sparkling and then you saw those like media companies thing. those media companies yeah. push these people to become deities to us right this yeah. thing on top of a pedestal and they did a great job of curating their image and what they said and what they didn't say so that you would look up to them so i understand some of this like when Twitter first started, I was I was trying to look at who the popular Twitter people were, and you saw like after a while there was like a level of actors, and then a level of sports people beyond them, and then the musicians were like tenfold what the actors were, and it was just like the I never understood the popularity of actors until I could see numbers. Right. Oh, sorry, uh, musicians until I yes. could see numbers attached to them. So so then for us, right, we want to become whatever rich, famous, powerful you know, um, everyone to adore us. It's a little bit innate to humans because the more money, power, fame you have, the easier life will be. And so we look up to these people, want to become like them, and then place them upon a pedestal. People that are more into intrinsic, extrinsic okay. values have a greater chance that they will really follow very fervently certain people. People that are more intrinsically may enjoy, watch, support, care about, but may not become intertwined in their lives. So regular enjoying different celebrities, supporting, caring about is completely fine. A natural human existence. And you probably know that they're human just like everyone else, make mistakes just like everyone else. But there is a case where it can become this fervent adoration yeah. where, you know, and if you're feeling really down, really sad, we can grasp hold of that life and have an escape. And that even is for like shows that like this person's life is completely horrible, right? Yeah, because we, we feel, feel better like, than oh, that. You know what? I'm yeah. okay. It's okay. And so we end up watching this kind of what I consider trash TV, which is actually kind of good for your brain. It gives you a little bit of a brain break from all of the world. Disagree. Hard things disagree. Things that you're going <laughs> to be dealing with. Yeah, I, I know. Believe it makes the world more do it. I believe it makes the world more trash. I am completely <laughs> into it. Renee is completely yeah. not into yeah. it. But that's why we end up doing it. And it can become a very da dangerous syndrome because once we form our little pack, now you have a group of fervent followers that are going to do everything to protect their deity. Yeah. And let's just say it, wars have been started over religion. And now yeah. we have this celebrity religion, this culture 
of glorifying regular people. And when they do mistakes, we now don't want to see it. We'll make excuses for our deities, our celebrity worship that we worship mistakes. And that becomes this dangerous thing to society because as is said, often the case, these are just regular people. And often people that lean towards celebrity, wanting to become celebrities have more of those narcissistic or malignant traits. They don't always, but some do. And so you may be following people that are deeply scarred, wounded individuals that may be by mistake bringing out messages that may be unhealthy for society as a whole. And is it worse now that, like, people made a big deal about, like, politicians became celebrities when we went to radio and then television. Like, famously, John F. Kennedy and Nixon. Nixon like, he just difference. wasn't good on television. Yeah. And now we're online, and you can you, you can interact with people somewhat on Twitter and on Instagram. And, you know, part of me really wonders what Steve Jobs would have been like in the age of Twitter. Like, would he have stayed away from it? Or would he be out there tweeting, you're holding it wrong? Because, like, Elon Musk... Brilliant, brilliant um, futurist and product person. If I was running comms for him, I would not let him near Twitter. Like if I right. was, if I was PR for him, the same way like the BlackBerry people, the two founders of BlackBerry, when they had a microphone in front of them, I could just see the press people no jumping Don't to because they Don't said the dumb. It. Eric Schmidt said the dumbest things. Like the worst thing you can have is a mic sometimes, and I feel like social yeah. media has finally given everyone a mic, but. My initial prediction was that they would say such dumb things that they would lose attachment, but instead they gain attachment. The dumber the things that all these people say, the more fervent, maybe it filters out the people who do believe in them the most fervently. I, I think so, but I think also that sometimes people like then make an excuse of at least they're human. They're like me, right? I could have a drink with this person. And so in some ways, we want people that are human and make mistakes and do things that are Especially if they're smoking hot. If they're smoking hot and they're a celebrity, they make mistakes. If they're very rich, if they're very beautiful, we then make more allocations because symmetry and beauty is something that it goes back to our our genetic code of we want to, like even like for apples, you're going to pick the apple that is the most beautiful if you have the choice between apples. Um, and so we are inclined to look at beauty, but then we'll also, you get away with stuff that you would not get away with otherwise. And sometimes there's stuff that you should be called out for. And then on the opposite case, if there's someone you hate, you're suddenly sending pitchforks for someone that might've made a mistake and has changed their mind or we're going back into our history, you know, 10 or 15 years. So I think that there's a certain balance. It's a magnifier. It seems like it makes everything more extreme. It's like we had this middle ground and now everything is either hot or cold, you know. But it's also the Wild West. We are, this is new to us, being able to have everyone have a mic, to have almost everything that you do that's recorded. Like, thank goodness that during my teen years, there was not like this social media was not a thing. I would have been the Star Wars kid. Oh, I would have no, been the star every so... week. Every week, I would have been the victim of a social viral video. Yeah, it would have been horrible, and yeah. I would have had to look back. And I, I just look back now and cringe at all of my different things that you know I've been through. And so, th- I think that we're going through a period of growth. I think people are asking these questions, and these questions are really vastly important. And hopefully, yeah. that helps us look at people a little bit more human. Because before, these celebrities weren't even questioned. They were. No. We believed the image that was given out to us, and now at least we're asking these questions. Like that, we get this question already shows yes. that we are now questioning. Who should we be following? Why should we be following? Why is every single, you know, um, you know. Like, I'll confess, like, The the Verge did an interview with Jake Paul. And I'm like, why would you give him, like, he's already abusing the platform that he has to 
to con money out of like yeah. kids and and to deny COVID and all these things, and now you're just giving him an interview where he can try to clarify. So it we all. so we end up having like the the question of why would you why would you have Jake Paul? But if we could go to the inverse, right? One is it's hits. People yes. are watching it. You saw it. So already that says that. And two, if he said, oh, I want to come on Apple Talk, would you say no? It's a Jake Paul in a, in a hot second. <laughs> so In a hot second. Yeah. So I believe there are people yeah. that they have every right to their platform, <laughs> but by their actions, they have disqualified them from the right to any other platform or at least any other responsible platform. Yeah. But okay. So we're, yeah. I'm the opposite of Joe Rogan and I'm super happy about that. Fair. All right. Fair. So talking about cringe. Oh, God. Here. Yeah, okay. I can feel it coming. (laughs) So um, a a question we've had a few is why do we use those cringy thumbnails with us showing all kinds like, ah, yeah, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm sure they'll just be naturally happening. (laughs) And why do we ask people to subscribe? Oh, and why do we why do we pester you to subscribe yes. to the podcast? So go ahead, Renee. Why why do we do both of those things? So I can explain the why, but I'm gonna have to hand off to you for the why it actually works part because okay. I'm just going off data and what people tell me. But you'll tell me if I, if you'll yeah. Yeah, you'll call BS if it's wrong. Yes. So YouTube and pot, all of these things have been around for years now, and we have tons of data about what works and what doesn't work. And I think a lot of people. They, they look at something and they have a reaction to it and they mistake that for data. And like anybody can like or dislike, like there are subjective opinions and objective opinions and there's feelings and there's facts. And increasingly our generation has gotten really bad at sorting those things. But when you just look at data, we can see uh, the CTR, like the click-through rate for every video, which means nobody has watched the video yet. They've seen the thumbnail, read the title and either clicked or not clicked. So it has nothing to do with the quality of your video because it's just the thumbnail. Yeah. One of the things we get a lot is, oh, you're, t- you're, you're too good for that. Like, that's beneath you to do this. Right. But nobody right. knows. Like, nobody knows what the video is. They don't know if it's good or bad until they click on it. Yes. And uh, a couple of things have really shone through. And you can see this from everything from, like, the videos we do to, like, giant tech channels like Linus Tech Tips to, like, the biggest channels in the world, which are, like, PewDiePie and Mr. Beast, who has, like, that kind of thumbnail all the time. It's that people react to other people and they react to strong emotion because they're driven by curiosity and by the desire to feel something. And so when you're presenting, like if I'm looking at an iPhone going, "Uh," they're like, what's causing that? Whereas if it was just an iPhone, it's like the 30th picture of an iPhone in a thumbnail. Yes. And they don't care. Yeah. And so the end is, is that if you, okay, so the worst thing for a YouTube thumbnail or for art or for music is to feel nothing. Yeah. Because then it's invisible and it's forgotten. So it is better if you're having a strong reaction, even if it's negative to the thumbnail, at least you've felt something and enough that you've actually registered that as a thought. And so even for me, when I look through, like if I see someone crying on a thumbnail, this sound makes me sound like a horrible person. No, it's an emotional person. You want to know if they're okay. Yes, maybe. <laughs> I, I want to know why they're crying. Like, I'm intrigued by yeah. that strong emotion. I care about strong emotions. And so I'm going to click and I want to find out. Now, I'll be angry if in the video they're yes. not actually crying. I think that that is a bait and switch. That's a yes. lie that you So can I just me. elaborate on that for a second? Please. Because there's this huge misconception. People just shout the word clickbait now. Yes. But I think it's lost a lot of meaning. Like, what clickbait originally meant was an extrapolation of bait and switch, which meant that uh, in the early days of YouTube they wouldn't let you choose your own thumbnail. They would just pick the same frame. So people Was like, that like 43 seconds or something? Yeah. It was that frame. So yeah. everyone... 
Yeah, so like Phil DeFranco got used to putting a bikini lady there. Yes. So that every video would show a bikini lady. Right. And right. other people which, would... Which, shockingly, Renee, people clicked. Yes. Oh. Even if they had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Um, and then later on, they would start picking different frames. But it was this right. whole thing about um, baiting you to click based on what's in the video. Yes. That doesn't work because the thing that YouTube cares about the most, even more than click-through rate, but you need click-through rate to get it, is watch time. So that you have to get people to click or they won't even watch your video. Yeah. But then once they click, you have to get them to watch as much of your video as possible. And the only way to do that is to be engaging and provide good content. Yes. So it does reward you for actually doing something that is good. So when we put out a, a picture that makes us look a little bit ridiculous, um, it's just to, it helps people, especially if they don't. If people already know us, they're hopefully you're subscribing yeah. because you already. But you also like know it's comment. our video. Like you'll see it, and you'll and see you know, Georgia, and you'll know yeah. like in this whole home screen. Oh, there's Georgia. I want to watch yeah. her video. But the way that these channels, the way that our channel survives, is through you subscribing and you watching it for yeah. as long as you watch. So we're also having to deal with an algorithm. Um, our pictures, our images are like actually us. We're really there. We're feeling that feeling that we're going yeah. through in that. And usually it's actually from the video. So we're trying not to do click bait, like actually like bait and switch. So hopefully you won't be angry, but it's also for that. Yeah. And for subscribing. And it's dramatically, well, before you go to that, it's yeah. dramatically different. Like if it yeah. was only like 0.1% better, I wouldn't do it because I'm super self-conscious. I don't like being in my own thumbnails. If I had a choice, I wouldn't be. But You've tried not being. I've tried. I've and tried. Well, but the thing is, it is like a force multiplier. Like the yeah. amount of more clicks that you get is like five times, 10 times more than that. Right. And I've tried, and yet you're about to bring up subscribers. Um, people also say like, oh, if I like the stuff, I'll, I'll subscribe. You don't have to tell me to subscribe. But YouTube has done a ton of research on this too. And it was it was counterintuitive, but if you if people really love the content, they tend not to subscribe because they're so busy watching, and they don't they even think, think about it. And they think that they will come back. Yes. Like they, one is they assume that they're already gonna come back because they love the content. So they think that they will do it. But unfortunately, if you don't do something right when you think that you're about to do it, we like, and if you're really absorbed in the content, yeah. then life happens, the doorbell rings and that. And if we don't have subscribers, then our rank just goes down and that deals with advertising and everything else of keeping a channel alive. Yeah, so the, that reminder and a heartfelt message to it of understanding why that actually matters so much to a channel, it hugely matters to a channel. And I'm not a strong subscriber to channels. So I, why I keep I will, reminding you. Exactly, exactly. I hit unsubscribe to all. But it's also videos. like I, I I called you a couple weeks ago because I was yeah. like Georgia, I don't know what's happening. All of a sudden my channel is like dying. Yeah. I'm getting almost no views and I'm getting almost no subscribers and I don't know what I did wrong. And you're like Renee, stop looking at the numbers every which we can get into in a different in a different, different show. Different show, yeah. Yeah. But it turned out for those videos, I was I was doing them live and I was so excited, I did not ask anybody to subscribe. And so people? They didn't. And then I did another video, just like I did a couple videos this week where I asked again and it like shot up like 10, right. 20 times again. And right. it, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, so sometimes the things that we're doing, though they are annoying and yes, they are cringy, we do them because they work. All cringe is self-cringe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, if you, let's say you have a favorite coffee shop that's on Main Street and has a big neon sign saying great coffee or something. If you go to a YouTuber and you say, don't make, like, interesting, intriguing, compelling titles or thumbnails, you're basically going to that coffee shop you love and saying, why are you on Main Street? You're too good for this. Why do you have a big neon sign up? Take that sign down and move to behind the farm on third though, exit. Though I will give, I do understand when people are saying that because... But, we, no, but I'm, I'm giving them an equivalent so they can yes, understand our position yes, better. Yes, you're telling sure. us not to not to show people that we're there. 
But I would say that they're also saying in, in their defense, in your defense. Don't defend if you them. Dis- yes, yes, no. In their defense is that, like, we're not, okay, I'm just going to say it. Hopefully this is true. We're not really that cringy when we do the show. Oh, and we're so super for cringy. Us to, <laughs> so when they, they see us doing silly faces, they're like... But a coffee like, shop is not cringy they, either. That's why I'm making that equivalence. Fair, but they're not putting out a coffee that's being poured over a cat You're that's the one who bought slipping the on it. I did. I'm, I'm totally... I, I'm the one that will watch Trash TV. Oh, I have another yeah. one for that. Oh, God. Oh, I have something that's really good and I forgot to that's say another it. Another question, two shows, In two shows, it's going to be so exciting. I'm not even going to tell you. It's going to be surprised upon you. Ah, oh, you're going to love and hate me so much in two shows. Okay, sorry. I just remembered it. Happiness came over me. <laughs> All right. Jonathan Blade wants to know, how do you manage screen addiction when as the technology improves, there's increasingly less friction in accessing information and entertainment through a screen than there is in the physical world? The real world isn't seamless, but modern interfaces pushed through devices with sky-high overhead are nearly seamless. And he, and he points this out, and this is really true, especially now in the age of COVID, where right. we don't have a lot of other things to do. Yeah. It becomes really difficult, right? Because... Like this is our outreach to the outside world. And yeah. so even for, for, so I deal a lot with screen addiction, especially with teens and with parents that are helping to manage their kids. Now you, one, can't take your technology away from your children right now because um, if you're watching this later after COVID has passed, but this is during the time if we're dealing with a pandemic. So for schooling and access to friends, that is for some people, especially if you're in red zones, that is the only way that you can yeah. access it. So there is zero chance that you are going to be able to take technology away from children effectively. And or adults. So, or adults, <laughs> right? This is our outreach. And yeah. for some people, especially if you're living alone, this becomes very difficult. Yeah. Two, dealing with social media, you get that dopamine hit, right? This is our part of our brain that feels really good when someone's saying, hey, I really liked what you wrote there. I appreciate this. And we have this engaging you know, discussion. Or you so, argue on the internet just for some sort of human interaction. It, anything. A lot of troll. I think trolling you are wrong is also. On the internet. But trolling is also increased because we, if you're feeling angst, if you're feeling yeah. depressed, you feel nothing. So a true deep depression is really muted, no feelings. It's even feeling bad is a benefit. And so that feeling of trolling and getting into fights is something. Yes. And you're just desperate for interaction, something having purpose, having meaning. And so it serves, even though people are like, oh, internet trolls. No, like I understand that. I can understand how wanting any interaction is better than none and entertaining interaction, because if you're doing that, you're finding this probably entertaining and fun. It serves a benefit. It makes sense. You can understand it. And so it becomes really difficult of how do you manage that? It would be by supplanting that time with other things that you're going to do. And so really... If your phone beeps and buzzes and your computer beeps and buzzes, you want when you are not working to be able to take time to shut that down and then take up a hobby or other activity that gives you some dopamine. So things that give you dopamine are things that you would create, make, um, enjoy, Mm -hmm. laughter, fun. So exercising, um, you know, painting, knitting and creating something, even if it is just taking a drawer out and reorganizing it and putting it back that gives you some dopamine you're but, talking about making a puppet theater aren't you no but i love puppets <laughs> i would love i would love that we have to do a puppet episode oh now just we so can that do they, our puppet just episode. so that they can host i would love no we should have a little puppet georgia and a puppet renee and we do them as puppets i would be like angel one, now they've got my nose one episode 
I want a puppet. I've always wanted a puppet episode. We've never gotten a puppet episode. I thought Stupid about Dieter it the entire... got a puppet episode and we did. Did he? Yes. Did Der- he? Derek made him a, a Dieter puppet. No, did yeah. he really? Yeah. I'm so angry. I know. Derek never made me a Dieter puppet. No, he never made me a puppet. Never mind. Stop puppeting. <laughs> Why? He just doesn't love us as much. Okay, we'll deal with that later. We'll deal with you later, Derek. So, yeah, Derek. Oh, I thought Derek loved us. Mm. Not Okay. So... Anyways, besides that, if you want to change the activity, do other things that you can have, you know, some sort of feeling of, of enjoyment with. And you need to shut down technology because if it, it calls to you, right? Yeah. That part of our brain that deals with addiction, it will actually have it calling to us. And the cost of it is that if you spend so much time on social media, is that the other parts of the, your brain, those neurons start to prune themselves, so the parts of our brain that deals with reading people's behaviors, um, feeling okay, doing nothing, boredom is actually a skill. Yes. Those all prune themselves. But our brains so become more efficient. But this is so instant and so high reward that it's just so easy. It's, it's, it's so much harder. Yeah. Yeah. Like just being there in the silence feels dreadful. And then yeah. you could just pick up Twitter and you don't have to do anything but scroll, but yes. doom scroll. Or, or TikTok. It's all yeah. playing for you. You yeah. really have to do nothing. Yes. It just auto And it's plays. constant. Like everything is firing all at once. Yes. Yeah. But the thing is, is that when you go from something that's so high, right? It's the same yeah. thing with video games. You're, you're on such a high, I'm a god, right? And if people are loving my videos, you get that high, yes. oh, you know? They loved it. it. Like you get that high and then real life starts to pale in comparison. That's why you never get off. Exactly. And that becomes really difficult. So if, like for people that actually go through an an internet addiction, I have them, you know, go through like dry times where they are not supposed to do it for a period. And we grow from those periods of time. And it's very discomforting during those times because you're going through withdrawal. Your brain is literally going through withdrawal. But then you reset the threshold of what is normal behavior for you. It's like going off sugar, which was horrible. I've been off of sugar. It was a very difficult thing. All the cookies talked to me. Um, they did. Well, I'm not scrolling Twitter while doing this podcast. I feel like that's an achievement. It is. And, and just like putting our phones down and not having them buzz and beep constantly yes. is, is well, awesome. Well, I have all my notifications turned off. The only thing I, I leave on is messages for like my, my family and, and you and Anthony and those people. Yeah. Yeah. So that if there's an emergency, they can get through to me, but everything else is turned off because yeah. I want this, like I open my phone often enough that I'll see anything that I need to see, right. but I always want the feeling that I own you, you don't own me. Exactly. You want to be able to be the one that controls the time yes. in which you do it instead of feeling like I am now beholden to my phone. The phone is the I'm boss. I'm the Wookiee. The phone is not the Wookiee. I'm the Wookiee. Right. Let the Wookiee win. So um, Donald Hawk asks... I distinctly know that I'm not happy unless I have the latest device, whether it's an iPhone 12, the M1 Mac, um, even the last generation of products um, that meet my needs. I order and cancel several times as I wrestle with the reason, but eventually I relent to buying. And someone else, Bart, asks, um, how does buying, acquiring new things always win over over um, the desire to have things stable in our lives? Uh, change versus status quo. Yeah, well, we've talked about this before, that humans both hate being bored and hate change. But I think this is a deeper thing. I think this goes back to what you were saying before about, like, there's this constant presence in the media, in YouTube, on social networks, about everyone getting the latest things. Whether it is someone who reviews stuff, they just get it automatically because it's literally their job, or it's just people who are affluent enough, or they figured out, like, how to buy and sell in between cycles to make enough money to be able to get everything. And my always advice, like the advice I give all the time is, no matter what, wait as long as you can to buy something until you absolutely need it, then buy what you need and be super happy with it because there will always be something next. Right. Always. Like the minute you buy it, there was that old Bloom County joke a long time ago where 
Opus, I think, was buying a Banana Junior computer. And at the store, when you get to the cash, there was a garbage because it was already obsolete and the new one was coming out by the time you finished paying for it. Right. And that's just never going to end. So you have to decide that you're not, that's, that's a merry-go-round you're not going to even get on. Right. And so for us, what happens in, inside of that, the psychology of that is that it goes with status. So especially if you are, your self-esteem is very extrinsically outside of yourself, your, like we are not our name, our title, our views, the amount of people we have or the things that we own. That isn't who we are. We really are the core beyond that. But our society is built upon consumerism that if we don't purchase things, there was a, a famous study um, I think it was Margaret Mead, but anyways, an anthropologist studied. And um, when you're talking about cultural anthropology, they looked at what were the effects of it. And it was a culture where every birthday you give away all of your things to the rest of, of society, the people that were around you. And then on someone else's birthday, they give away all of their things. And so they were never buying... Do you ever get your things back that way? I guess you probably <laughs> do, right? It's that little tiny oh, pitch thing oh, that God, you didn't I hated want. This. Oh, I was really oh. hoping that you would keep that. Please keep Can't it. wait for my birthday to get rid right. of this again. Right. But that doesn't feed consumerism. Yeah. So because now it was that throwaway society, they push that because the more that you buy, the more that these corporations and large businesses make money off of it. So it's also pushed by society that, you know, if you're not using the latest, you know, phone, and that's the same reason why, you know, like Apple and other products make one that looks a little different, right? So you year. know, yeah. you know, oh, he has the new one, right? And they, they ensure that. But I that. want them to know I have the new exactly. one. Exactly. Uh, wicked flex. Exactly. So that that means that you are better than other people. Yes. And we want that. We want that feeling of this makes me better. But it's what you were talking about earlier with the, like, with, with the same thing with the, you get that hit from having these, like, exactly. people get shopping. Yeah. Like, right now it's Black Friday as yeah. we're recording this. Yes. And if you get the newest thing, that yeah. makes, that, that increases like your status yeah. because you can afford to be able to but do that. But there's also, like, a hit when you buy something. You get, like, a little bit of pleasure. You get a bit of dopamine. Yeah. So whenever I feel, um, if I'm like, ooh, I'm feeling a little bit sad and not good, I catch myself online shopping. I do. And I'm like, I'm like, do I need this or am I wanting that dopamine hit of yeah. finding, like if I'm search, I don't even need it. I'm now searching for something to give me that dopamine hit, which just for a trick, put it into your wish list and don't purchase it. That'll give you a little bit of dopamine. And the hope and that someone will buy it for you. The hope. <laughs> the hope. But also you may not actually need it because yeah. remember that you're going to have, this is going to be shiny and new for a period of time. And then you're going to go back to whatever status quo it is. And you end up in this endless cycle of wanting that feeling better. It doesn't last long and then you feel worse and then you want something that feels better. And yeah. it's not actually fixing the problem of why do I, why am I not feeling that good? Exercise, though more difficult than surfing on Amazon for whatever area you want to surf on is a much better way of getting Plus a Plus you'll end long up looking term. like one of those celebrities that get away with everything. That's true. Yeah. And, or at least feeling that way. Yeah. <laughs> which, that's fine. It's all the same. All right. Georgia, Robert Fairbairn, sorry, Robert Fairbairn. Uh, asks, I am totally torn about Google. I have both a free Gmail account and I'm currently using Google for my business email. We play with Google devices, Chromecasts, the Google Home Hub, and pre-Google. Uh, we still have some Nest stuff like the doorbell, but now it all feels so creepy, so slowly working to migrate off of Google. Uh, is he worried for no reason? He still wants a security system, um, but maybe something with local storage. So I guess the, the gist of this is, is it okay to find Google creepy and is it, should you do something about it if you do? 
I, I feel that way. So you're not alone. I feel exactly the same way. And I, I think that it, I'm always very curious about what is the privacy policy of a company? What are they keeping from me and not keeping from me? And it goes further than when Google's servers go down, you can no longer use your doorbell and you can no longer, which just recently happened. Yeah. But it's also, what are they doing with that information? I was just actually complaining to Renee that on Reddit now, I have like subscribed to Psychology, Dungeons and Dragons and Cheetos are yeah, all of the ads. About you. And I'm like, I haven't, I, I'm not, I don't even log on. I don't have an account with Reddit. So I don't even sign in yet. They definitely know that it's me. At first I thought, is everyone getting psychology? Like, and then I'm like, oh no, this is just, yeah. duh, naive. No, this is just me because they're reading my search history or my keystroking, whatever I'm doing, and they know it. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that we should be careful of it. And I think that we need to make a stand with our checkbook by not. And for Google, even though you're not paying for it, you are paying for it. You're paying for it with your information. Yeah. So by using even less of Google's products, the ones that you can live without, we decided um, not to go with Nest because of that, not to go with the the ring, because even though we loved it, it was wonderful when we did have it. Yeah. But then when they were acquired by Google, we were like, eh, let's That's how their fear let's is. Like, it's hard else. to buy independent things because you're always worried they're going to be bought by Facebook or Google. And or Apple will just kill them. Like one of those things will happen to the thing that you love. Yeah. And which which does happen. And then yeah. the pri privacy policy that you may have loved. Yes. Then suddenly becomes changed and it's retroactive. Well, like we talked about on a previous episode, we got the Oculus stuff and they mm -hmm. said, Facebook said they would never change the login, yes. and now they've changed the login. Yes. So you can't believe them. No. I always get in trouble when I say this, but I feel like with Apple and some companies, like it's like going on a date Dutch. Like you both pay for your meal, and then like whatever happens, happens. But when you go with like Google or Facebook, they buy you this massive lobster dinner and then just leer at you across the table the whole time. Right. And some people are fine with that because they feel like, hey, free lobster dinner. Yeah, other I people are that. like. Oh my God! Stop looking at me that way. No lobster in the world is worth this. Right. And both act, both reactions are personal and based on you, and are totally legitimate. You've got to find your comfort level. And again, if if money is an issue, if you're ha struggling yeah. at home, free is better than something that's going to put you out money that could then go to food. Well, like so, your husband said, we're all data rich. We all have like yes. everyone has a different amount of money, but we're all data billionaires because they will literally pay billions of dollars for all of our data. Yes, and that makes it a really difficult discussion, yeah. and that's why we need regulations that are in place to make sure that we are protected and that companies do not overly leer at us and then creepily send all of our information to everyone else. So I have to cheat, George, and break the order here because oh, this you? this question is so specific to how brain chemistry works that I have no I could lie. You I could, lie. I could I lie and answer it. I would be intrigued. But I'm going to ask it to you anyway. Um, what's this is from uh, Stephen Kaplan? What sort of neuroatomical neuroanatomical sorry? What sort of neuroanatomical changes are happening in the brain with the use of an iPhone and the apps within it? What sort of conditioning is happening at the neuro the neuronal level? How is it going to affect our children? Is AI going to cause people to lose critical thinking skills? And does all this technology change how kids learn the fundamentals of social engagement? Will every child today need to be on social media and at what age? Okay, so there's, that's probably a whole thesis. Um, I'm not a neuropsychologist, so I'll kind of go through the pieces to it. But and you've not played one on TV? No, okay. not yet. Um, but it is a really, it is a really big difference. I don't think that it is as great of a difference in a, like, we're going to have to, like, I don't think that children are going to stop critical thinking if they are taught 
how to critically think. So even if they consume a lot of media and they've done studies, this was with TV, which was, you know, they went through the same thing with music and rock and roll is going to ruin people's lives. And they did that with TV and TV is going to ruin people's. And there are effects to that. Our Mm -hmm. society has changed. So we know that there are changes in place, but we also know that as long as you are taught critical thinking and to be able to understand what are the tricks and tips that advertisers use in order to hook us and to be able to um, manipulate the way that we see things, then even if you consume that, you're consuming it with a critical thought. And so as long as you teach your children to think critically and question what they are consuming, then it is not that great of an effect. If you are there and you know what they're consuming and you can have that dialogue with them real time, even better. And so that's really important for like critical thinking. It is a trained skill. And as long as you train your children, they'll actually enjoy the process of being able to problem solve. Why did they say this? Mm. And to have those discussions of what do you think this article that said that, you know, 10 foods that could kill you, what are the pieces to that? Could. Well, that means they may not kill us either. Oh, okay. Now you're looking at this article a little differently, right? And they tried to kind of slip that past just so that you click the link for the same reasons that we discussed earlier. Yes. Now, Dealing with the brain and the different areas that deal with it, it's the same areas of the brain that deal with addiction as everything else. And the problem with an addiction is that you're spending so much time training in one area that your neurons are pruning in other areas. Your brain wants to become more streamlined. And so the areas that you are practicing become stronger. And if your addiction center is stronger, you're actually increasing your chances of becoming addicted to anything similar to that. Is that one of those malignant neural pathways that I keep hearing about? I don't like the word... I just, I I like the way it sounds. I like the way it sounds, but it is completely inaccurate because any neuronal pathway, if you practice it, if neurons that fire together will wire together, they're not malignant. They're just, that's what you've been practicing. Oh, so neurons are like a tool. It depends on whether you do good or bad things with them. Oh, look at you. Look at you. Yes. Use them responsibly. Very nice. Gold star, (laughs) Renee. Perfect. It's not like a a red lightsaber or a blue lightsaber. No. Even, Even for things like anxiety or depression, they were beneficial to the species in certain times of our life. Right? Like if you're in a war-torn area, it's probably a good idea for you to be more on high alert than if you're not. It's just what are the dangers of the world and where are you But if with you're that? in a world of Warcraft, um, anxiety well, oh my level God, then. All the time. That is amazing. Yeah. Why would I want – Why would, I would rather be in that world yes. than this world, right? Um, I find that with – and I'm going off subject slightly, but with virtual reality, it's so exhausting. You're like really fighting that I can't spend that. It's not that addictive to me, even though I love video games and I definitely have a propensity to like want to be part of that world. Love it. But for virtual reality, I get tired. I'm actually physically tired. I'm like, I have to stop and take a breather because it's just too encompassing to my body and I need to take a break and get some water and I feel tired. So it's kind of interesting that I find that it is not as addictive as I thought virtual reality would be, um, though there are benefits and detractions to all of that. So no, I don't think that it's going to change critical thinking. Yes, I do believe that addiction to anything is changing your brain patterns to become better at that. For social interaction, that's the last piece kind of, I think, to this question. For social interaction, the less that you interact with humans, the worse you are at it, just like anything else. And I think that there's a lot of debate of like, there are more things, there are things, there was a, a wonderful study that we discussed on Twitter about how, you know, it's not that big, the amount of time that you spend on social media is not that big of an effect on its own. Because if you have a good family life, if you're happy, if you're having interactions and you're feeling positive about yourself, that's more important. All things being equal, 
the more time that you spend on something, the better that you're going to be at one thing versus another. So if you're hoping that your children have good personal skills, then spending less time looking at a screen where you're not reading people's uh, facial skills, not dealing with problem solving, you're not going to be getting better at that either. So you should be streaming Among Us instead. Right, right, right. Okay. Level 9000 IQ question right there. <laughs> okay, Renee, I have a question for you. Aziz Rahman asks, why haven't we seen a transformational change in how society operates with the technology we have? Things like e-democracy, advances in education, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think that ties into a lot about what we were just talking about, is that no tool is essentially good or bad. And the internet is an incredible tool. It is one of the greatest tools that we've ever developed, like mm -hmm. up there with electricity, uh, you know, and, and, and in industry, all these things. But they also, every time we invent them, we think that they are going to lead to incredible benefits to society. And they do, but they also lead to incredible challenges and horrors in society as well. Like when we went to agriculture, it destroyed a lot of things. When we went to industry, it destroyed a lot of things, both in terms of just, you know, like child labor, but also breaking families apart, people moving to cities, changing how things were done, pollution, all of those, all of that. Uh, and societally, it destroyed our villages and made us all sort of live very different, lonely lives. Mm -hmm. And now we have the information age where it's the same thing. We have now these virtual villages and we have the ability to connect over continents. But for some people, that is an amazing bond that they use to create works of art and science and, and everything that's beyond what was possible before. But others have used it to crawl out of the darkest corners and spread their poison to more people than ever before. But also, we've, we've lost that face-to-face -face thing where, you know, there are certain things I just would never say to your face, but if you're just another anonymous user on the other side of the internet, my barrier to horrible communications is completely down. Right. And I will say whatever pops into my dumb mind yeah. without even thinking about it. Or purposely, right? Yeah. You no longer have an, en you're not an entity to that. Yes. And whenever we have like a, like I used to reply back to really No agency horrible, and no fear. And I would, I would write back and people are like, I'm so sorry. I had a really rough day. Yeah. I apologize. And you humanize some of yourself. The, exactly. And some of the people that were the best fervent followers after were the people that were actually really mean and cruel yeah. at the beginning of when I started You flipped online. their loyalty bit. Well, also, I think that, that they saw me as human and yeah. it became something different and I cared about, you know, why what they were going through. I think that there have also been some difference. I think that the pandemic has actually caused some things to become better in the dealing with, like, um, technology and the way that we interact in that now those schools, like if you were sick, you could not attend a class. You yeah. were really just missing out on it. And now that we're working on making sure that People have technology and schools are trying to give out technology so that everyone has it, that digital divide as some people are able to access the internet and some people aren't. This is not something that could become good and I think it's going to be a huge change. People working from home, being able to work remotely, having more flexibility and the manner in which we produce things is different. And so even though change is hard, sometimes it takes horrible things happening to create mm -hmm. a bump. Like we don't evolve in like small incremental changes. It's kind of like a it's huge change. <laughs> if something catastrophic happens, yeah. there's a whole bunch of change and then we stagnate and we just kind of stay that way until something big makes a huge environmental change. And that's happened also for us as evolution as much as it's happened just for technology and cultural changes also. Yeah, and I think, but what also like, this is this is why I think it's good and bad because 
there are what I would call horrible repercussions. Like we've seen some companies just act horribly during the pandemic and say like, we're not letting people work from home. Like we're not going to pass any, we're not going to have any of this stuff. And we've seen some, some states, some provinces, some school districts, like try to pretend it's not happening or actively plan to use children for herd immunity, which is just not scientific at all. Right. Um, and we've seen some pretty horrible behavior and in some cases, I could say at least we learn from that, but we don't because there's still those people we talked about previously who have high affinity for it. Who'll say like, "Oh, all of this isn't real." And even when like the crazed demagogue, uh, you know, school board that wants to do this, uh, when they catch it, because of course they like they. I forget what it was, but it was this news item about a bunch of people going. Um, uh, going to some sporting event and they said, yeah, yeah, it's safe. We'll test people, you know, beforehand. And then they all caught it on the way there. Like they all, and of course they did. And we don't learn from it. Like they, they still have the same attitude as they did when it happened before. And I think that's the part that's hard to process. Yeah. And I think that change is hard. Like people to be able to admit our faults is really difficult. And we haven't gotten, that hasn't been a cultural that the characteristic that we've really pushed yeah. is accepting responsibility. I think that we as a culture, all of us has got, have gotten worse at accepting responsibility. And then the people that do accept responsibility take a huge hit for it, which then makes other people say, well, then why am I going to do it? If this person that said, you know what, I'm so sorry, I'm wrong, then gets completely um, attacked for being able to admit that they've changed their opinion and they've dealt with it. And people that will hold the line even in face of all of the other truths, do not. And so I think that our own um, radical responsibility that we need to take as humans, but also as a culture and as groups, needs to have an effect, effectively change in our culture. I think Wikipedia is a great example. It's like we have the potential to have the beginnings of the Star Trek computer, like a shared location for all earthly knowledge. Yes. And everyone could contribute towards making that the best resource ever. But then you might have a comedian go in and say, you know, e elephants are extinct. And yet, ha ha. But, you know, a lot of people will have those similar instincts. And then you'll have someone who go, elephants were always a hoax. And someone also say, why are you censoring the comedian? He should be allowed to do this, even as a detriment to the knowledge that the world is trying to accumulate. And then you'll have someone else who's like, why are you denying that, my that the elephant hoax exists? You know, and it, it's sort of that rat hole that takes this glorious ideal of what the Internet could provide and brings it crashing back down to the reality that we, we sometimes have technologies that we're not specially mature enough to take full advantage of yet. Not yet. We're still working towards it, though. I believe. Every day. I believe. We're laying those golden paths, climbing those golden mountains. All of us. All right. So that is the end of our first Q&A episode. Please let us know what you think. We're considering doing this every month or every two months, something like that. We'll see how many people like to watch them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let us know. Absolutely. Let us know in the comments. Let us know on social. Uh, and if you haven't already... Absolutely, please do subscribe. Subscribe. Please leave a review. Please <laughs> leave a rating. It really does uh, let... I was going to call it iTunes because I'm so set in my ways. It really does let Apple Podcasts... And it was so like, sweet. We had so many beautiful comments. I apologize for not rewarding by re replying, but we had such beautiful comments to the last yeah. show. So thank you so much for doing that. For I read those, them seriously. all and I will reply, um, but life has gotten busy. But <laughs> thank you so much for that. It means a lot. And if you want to get in touch with us directly, Georgia, where can they go? Uh, you can check me out on, you can just send me an email. It's at uh, Georgia at westmounttherapy.com. On Twitter, I'm at Georgia underscore Dow. And if you're dealing with anxiety or depression, you can check out anxiety-videos.com. And you can find me at Renee Ritchie on pretty much everything, uh, youtube.com slash Renee Ritchie. 
uh, Instagram.com slash Renee Ritchie because I still haven't quit that. And uh, Twitter.com slash Renee Ritchie. Thank you so much for listening and or watching. If you are a Nebula subscriber, then stay tuned because we have another topic to get to a bonus topic, an extra plus topic to do for you. And if you're not yet a subscriber on Nebula, you can go to CuriosityStream.com slash AppleTalk and sign up. And not only will you get CuriosityStream, which has just the best documentaries online, you'll be able to get Nebula as well. And for a price so low, I'm not even going to say it because you will not believe it, but it's what you pay for some services in a month. You get both of these in a year. It's, it's really good. Thank you for listening and watching.